0: All right, we're in Colossians chapter 2 this morning, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, and the points are, again, it's like a three-week, three-point message, because there's, again, Colossians is so dense, it's so rich in truth, and the points are spiritual progress, which we looked at last week. Today, we're going to see spiritual perils, verse 8 to 10, and next week, we're going to see spiritual provisions in 11 through 15. So today, spiritual perils. Peril means exposure to injury, loss, or destruction. Peril means grave risk. It means jeopardy. It means danger. It doesn't sound good, right? (laughs) You ever been in danger? It's not fun. I saw this video where where this goose was in the parking lot. It was a goose, just a goose, right? And this guy was just walking towards it to, like, feed it, right? But this goose just begins flying towards the guy with all of its might, and attacks his face, grabs his head, and he just, he just tried to get the thing off of him. He didn't know he was in danger, so, but he got away. This other girl was at a zoo, and she was, there was a camel in front of her, and she was petting it, and everything, it's all good, right? It was all good, until she took her phone out to take a selfie, and then she went like this, took her eyes off of the camel, like this, and the he almost bit her head, she, ah, and she had to run away. She was in danger. Another, another woman was at a zoo, and there was a glass thing. There was a gorilla behind it, and this gorilla charged the glass like it was going to break through the glass. And so it just ran through, and the, the lady was so freaked out, she, she stumbled back, tripped over a step, and she kind of she got bruised. She was so freaked out because she thought she was in danger. Now, these were videos where no one was really injured, but the point is there is danger in this life, and we know that. When I was going to college, one of my teachers was telling us during the 1992 riots that he just went out of his apartment, no big deal, going to buy some milk at the store. All of a sudden, he saw this big mob walking towards him. He turned around. He went straight back in a hurry to his home. He didn't know what was going on. Turned on the news, realized, okay, I shouldn't be outside right now. Maybe you've been driving, and there was a dangerous moment where you almost got an accident. Or maybe you did get in an accident. But the fact is, the danger is right outside of those doors. And there's potential danger wherever we are, wherever we go. During an event in this church, a poor woman tripped on this carpet and split her knee open. Just right on the little throw carpet. you know. But it led to minor injury. Yes, there's potential danger wherever we are and in whatever we're doing. So we must be careful. Not paranoid, but careful. So as we look at God's word this morning, we're going to talk about the danger, uh, the danger sorry of spiritual perils. Sure, there's, there's real physical danger. Accidents happen. Sometimes you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe you, you're clumsy, so you're more prone to danger. But spiritual danger is a real thing because there's a spiritual battle going on. You know, the Christian life, it's not like Disney World. It's a spiritual world filled with and fraught with battles, really. It's not easy. If it were easy, I believe many more people would be walking by faith today. But the Christian life, it takes constant surrender and consistent awareness. right? Because if we're not watching and praying, we're prone to fall asleep like the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. The fact is, every journey has its perils. And being a believer means that there will be perils, there will be pushback, there will be difficult times, there will be those who want us to quit, you know, quit believing in the truth, and they said they want us to buy into lies. It's not easy. Was it easy for the prophets of God? I mean, just think about some of the prophets of God, what they went through. No. Was it easy for, skip ahead to the New Testament, was it easy for Paul? I mean, think about Jesus. Was it easy for Jesus? Absolutely not. It was difficult, but it was worth it. And even though the Christian life is filled with rough times, it's still a huge blessing because we know the Lord, we walk with him, and we are given a future and a hope with him. God is good in the midst of it all, and we will have spiritual perils in this life, but we have the victory in Christ. We, you know, you, you will have storms, but you have a shelter that you can run to and be safe. Right? You have an alcove, if you will, that you can duck under and get out of the storm. And you guys, being Mobilians, you know, you understand the importance of shelter in storms because the rain in a second, torrential downpour, here we go, run for cover. And the stormy, you know, the storms may affect you a little bit, but it, they will not wash you away. It will not drown you out because the Lord is your refuge, the Lord is your shelter, You will have trials, but the truth is that you have tools from God to get through each and every one of your trials. And our tools are the word of God, the sword of the spirit, prayer, fellowship, communion with Christ. So just in review, again, like spiritual progress. Last week, we looked at that and Paul was writing about the fact that Christians in Colossae, they had strong faith already. That's great, right? Someone has strong faith. Don't just be, ah, they have strong faith. They don't need any prayer. If someone has strong faith, that's in a time to encourage them still, because it's when we're walking strong in the faith that we become a personal challenge for the enemy to attack. But Paul mentioned the Colossae Christians' faith in Christ, and he exhorted them to continue walking in him, being rooted and built up in faith and abounding in thanksgiving. So really, these are pictures of how to progress in the Christian life, which we looked at it last week, and it was all happy, it was all like, positive, it was exciting, because it was like, yes, this is how we grow in the Lord. These were very great verses, but now we're going to look at spiritual perils that were in Colossae, and we must remember where Paul was writing from. Remember, where was he when he wrote Colossians? In prison, right? He was on house arrest, is chained to a guard underground 24 hours a day. And as we read this prison letter and his prison letters, we can forget that because Paul actually in prison, he doesn't seem down. He doesn't seem depressed. He doesn't seem defeated. So when Paul writes Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, the four prison letters, he sounds happy most of the time. How in the heck does that happen? He's in jail. Well, Paul didn't let his happenings or his happiness, his circumstances, cause him to be defeated or deflated. He stayed strong and spiritual, if you will, because he focused on God, not on the grueling circumstances around him, because that's the thing. The world will crush you if you're consumed with it. The Lord will build you up if you're looking to him. So when Paul talks about spiritual perils, which we're looking at today, he's somewhat of an expert, right? And some of of you may feel like, yeah, I'm I'm an expert in going through trials. Like I go through a lot of difficulties, a lot of trials, a lot of storms. I am pretty good at it. Paul had been through some seriously difficult times, you guys, times that if we, if we went through them, like we would most likely be crushed under the weight of those worldly burdens. Paul was an expert in going through serious trials, and Paul actually bragged about it going through tough times because it was all for the Lord. And you can find that list in 2 Corinthians eleven, twenty-three 23 to 30. Can we turn up the lights a little bit just so you, we, people can see their Bibles? <laughs> um So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 30, Paul says this, I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea, I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have, faced the, yeah, I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and I've often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And then besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches, who is weak without my feeling that weakness, who is led astray, and I do not burn with anger. If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Paul knows a few things about perils, dangers, and disasters but we wouldn't know it by reading his letters from prison. Paul had, you know, he had a godly perspective through pressure-filled times. So let's take a look at the spiritual perils that are a reality in our lives as believers. So let's pray, and then we'll read these verses this morning. We're well, again, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that the Psalms even say that you hold your word higher than your name, Lord. This is God-breathed. This is from you. It's, it's pure, Lord, as, as you say in your word. It's, it's from you, it, it really pierces the heart. Sometimes it convicts, but then it comforts, Lord. You, you do heart work through your perfect word, and we just thank you that we get to dig into it today, Lord. We thank you that it's the key to spiritual growth, Lord, and we really get to know your heart as we get into your word, Lord, and just show us practically even what to do and how to apply these scriptures to our everyday lives so we don't just hear it, but we do it. In Jesus' name, amen. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul writes, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. In him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So, Spiritual perils. Again, peril, it means danger. So Paul goes on with his use of military terms by saying, Beware lest anyone cheat you. He's saying to not let anyone steer you away from traveling on the road of truth, which God has laid out for all believers. You ever been steered off in the wrong direction? Maybe you're following yeah, Google Maps, right? Or, or Waze or whatever. You, you know, you're just following that. You feel confident in it. You're following the blue dot that's on your phone. But then the person, in the person in the passenger seat said, hey, I know a shortcut. And you're a little unsure because of the source, but, but you agree to it. You know, Maybe it's your husband or wife. I don't know. I don't want to start anything. But you know, just to be nice, you're like, okay, we'll take your shortcut. Cool. Let's try it. Sure enough, that shortcut was the way, long way around. You actually got lost because you led in the wrong direction. Get back on the blue dot on your phone. See, our, our destination as believers... Is already put into the phone, (laughs) and we are following not a blue dot. We're following God. We're following our leader. So, so the more we focus on the captain, the more assured we will be that we're going to be sailing in the right direction toward the right destination. Because God is our navigator. We don't follow human wisdom. We don't follow what man says. Can God use people? Sure, if they're biblical. But we follow what the Word says. But there will be those who say, well, no, that's not the right way. You're off. You're, you're way off. Let me tell you which way to go. Let me tell you what I think is the right way to go. And if it's apart from Scripture, then we say, no thanks. Kind of like the Bereans in Acts 17. They measured everything by the Word of God. They didn't go, yeah, that sounds good. Let's follow that. I think so many people are so impressionable today that they'll believe whatever they hear. There's a little bit of truth in there. There's this much lies and there's that much truth. The truth is enough to lure you in. The, the lies are enough to cause you to be led astray and backslide. So we have to be careful. We follow the Lord because He knows the right way to go. We follow His Word because it's laid out. For, it's a blueprint for Christian lives. So the Gnostics, remember the Gnostics, they were the ones saying, listen to us, follow us, let us tell you the full truth that you Christians don't know about. We're going to enlighten you. The quickest way to go astray from the Lord is to not take His Word seriously those that have been carried away captive who were once christians and those who were were once christians they were not solid in god's word that's why they were led astray they weren't grounded in the truth so they strayed from it they knew just enough of the truth to be like okay i believe it but they didn't know enough of it to, when lies came they couldn't discern when a person doesn't know the doctrines of the word of god like he or she will be carried off by false religions colossians 2 it tells us that the philosophy of the false teachers is empty deceit. Right now, now, lie spreaders are subtle. Lie spreaders are subtle. They don't show up and say, believe the lies I'm telling you. I'm going about to lie to you right now. You believe in the truth, but I'm going to tell you lies. They don't do that, right? They're subtle, and they're confident in their subtleness. They, be, they, they are convinced, and they're trying to convince you, and they lead you astray. You have to be careful. No, now, tradition, too. Paul talks about tradition. It's not bad if it reminds us of a godly heritage. It's when a person or a group holds tradition higher than the truth of God's word, that's when it's bad. You know, when tradition becomes truth, we got to be careful, especially if that tradition doesn't line up with the word of God. And so the false teachers, they, they involve the rudiments of the world in their belief system, it says. In ancient Greece, this meant the elemental spirit of the universe, the angels that influenced the heavenly bodies. Now, these were phrases related to the vocabulary of astrology in that day. And so the Gnostics believed that the heavenly bodies influenced people's lives. They believed in the new moon. They read the stars. The Christian who dabbles in the occult or mysticism will be negatively influenced. Why follow empty philosophy when we can follow the fullness of Christ? Now, the Gnostics weren't straight out saying, forsake Christ. They were saying, keep following Christ but integrate him into our new system of religion. We have a system of religion. Integrate your, your savior into, this, into our system, and we'll really teach you higher spiritual knowledge. When Paul writes about the basic principles of the world, he's not being anti intellectual He's not being anti-learning. God gave us brains for a reason to use them, right? But Paul is simply saying that these guys are implementing worldliness into what is godliness, and the two do not mix. And so we're in the world, right? You guys have heard it. It's in John, right? Jesus, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're in in the world temporarily to make an impact for eternity, to live for the Lord. We're not to get too comfortable here. We're not trying to build little kingdoms on the earth, right? Um, We're not here to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, to live our best life now. We are here to follow Jesus, no matter how difficult it is. And that's what Paul did. And that's what we get to do. It's a privilege. We are called to share light, and so not get caught up in the darkness, though. It's kind of like, you know, you've seen stories where, or I don't know, even shows where an undercover detective, they're really good, they're getting in, they're, they're becoming like criminals, but they're really still a detective, but then they kind of get swept away, and they actually become criminals. They lose sight of what's evil and what's good, and they get caught up in it. We don't, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. There's darkness all around us, but the, shi- uh, the light is shining out of us. And we don't want our light for Christ to grow dim, Or or to burn out. We want to keep shining that light. Don't don't grow weary in well-doing. We are called to be kingdom builders, not glory stealers. God gets the glory, not us. Matthew 6.33, Jesus really states the priority for the believer simply. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, this verse is in the context of not worrying right but jesus really gives us the general goal of every christian life seeking him that's the main goal seek god seek the lord not just know about him but to actually know him like sometimes i can miss the whole point of what i'm supposed to be learning like you're learning something and you miss the whole point and you realize later you're like i wasn't even focused on the right thing i'm not married just to know facts about my wife okay i know the facts about you so i love you because i know the facts about you right she, i know she loves sushi i know she loves ice cream she does not like Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell. She does not like Taco Bell. She loves getting a good deal at Dirt Cheap. Right? Her love language is quality time together. Right? I know all that. It's great to know all that. I should know all these facts. But if I just know them and don't implement them and don't do them and don't draw near to her because of them, because then I'm not going to get closer to her. We've been married for 14 years. right? You can know about a celebrity. You can know, maybe you know some everything about a football team or a football player or a quarterback. You know everything about them, stats, everything. You know every single fact about them, but you've never met them. You don't know them personally. Our life goal is to know not just about the Lord, it's to know the Lord and seek Him and draw near to Him. As we grow closer to God, we want to let uh, people know about God so they can come to know Him. And that's the thing. God gets the glory, and we get to become conduits to share his glory. And that's an amazing privilege. It's not a a burden. It's an amazing, awesome blessing. You'll never get filled by empty philosophy of this world. Never. It might cause your flesh to kind of perk up and be like, oh, yeah, I want to know more about that stuff. But it also might lead you astray because it's not grounded in the foundation of the Word of God. We can use the empty philosophy as a roadway, though, to share the reality of the gospel. So much of sharing the pure Word of God is first listening to the person you're talking to. And sometimes we forget this. You know, We don't come to at people with the truth. You don't throw it in their face. We don't take the Bible and thump them over the head. Listen to them. We talk to them, right? And encourage them to consider, hey, just consider what the Bible says. We don't talk at them. We talk to them with love. And we listen to what they believe, what they have to say. So in order to avoid people falling into the perils of false teaching, we have to get the truth out there. No one will know the difference between, between truth and lies if we hold back the truth. This, this is our heart behind Calvary Chapel. That's why I'm so glad that my dad, before I was a believer, took me to a Calvary Chapel. And it was just a little Calvary Chapel, and the, it was all casual. It felt like I was walking in. It, was like, it felt like a family reunion. And I wasn't even a believer, but I was like, these people are super. I've never met anyone this nice. Like, why are they so nice to me? What's going on? What's their agenda? You know. But I went in, and it just like they did worship, they taught the word, and and later, years later, when I went on my truth search, if you will, I it was a Calvary Chapel by where we lived, or by where I lived, and then I was like, this is it. I got plugged in. They, it was a small church. They taught the word. They worshipped. I was growing spiritually. I'm so thankful that they just stick to the word. And so we're here to study the Bible. Right? That's our main focus, to get the, to study the Bible, to know Jesus,, right? to study the word so we grow, and then to go out and make disciples. So Paul is warning these guys, though, be careful, watch out, beware of the false teachers who are trying to water down these dense truths. And I know you guys are like, "Why is he going so slow through Colossians? Because there's so much truth in here. Uh, one verse, we can do, you, know, 20 hours of just talking about it. It's so deep. We don't want watered-down truths. That does nothing for us. It might make us feel good for today, but then tomorrow when we face the real world with the kids, at our job, wherever we are, that's when the difficulties come. And if we're not grounded in the truth, that whole feeling is gone. That's why faith is not based on feeling. Feelings will follow faith, but faith is based upon fact of the Word of God. And so we've got to stick to the Word. We've got to dig into the Word. And Paul's like, beware. In order to do that, we've got to stick, stick to the Word. In Colossians 9 and 10, 2, 9, and 10, and Paul's basically saying this. Hey, guys, if you have Christ, why would you need anything else? It's kind of like when you pack for a trip. If you're like, some people are like, oh, I'll just throw a couple things in there. You realize when you get on vacation that you, you're missing a bunch of stuff? Ah, we'll just buy them. You don't really care. But some of you super like over... Do it and just pack everything. You have two huge suitcases. You're going away for two to two nights, right? And it's like it's almost like, are you moving out? No, I just I'm very prepared, right? You have all you need, even a few extra things. Well, in Christ, we spiritually we have all we need. The gulf between the heavens and the earth was bridged with the incarnation of Christ. We have all we need in Christ. Every believer shares in the fullness of Christ. And do you not feel fuller content? The question is, are we communing with Christ, or are we conforming to this world? You can't be a conformer if you have already been transformed, right? A butterfly never goes back to being a caterpillar. Metamorphosis happens, and it doesn't reverse. Don't go back to the dirt that was already washed off. You know, when when a person is born again, they're complete in Christ. And then there's that process of refinement, one commentator said this. I love this. He said, our spiritual growth is not by addition, it's by nutrition. <laughs> I love that. Not by addition, by nutrition. And the nutrients that we need is the Word of God. The Word of God is, is, is uh, likened to, to water, to milk, to bread, to meat. It's the nutrition that we need spiritually to get through whatever we're going to face in life. Nothing needs to be added to Christ because he's the fullness of God. So as we draw on Christ's fullness, we're filled with all the fullness of God. In Ephesians 3:19 it says, "to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." There are perils in the Christian life, but the question is, where am I placing the work and the person of Christ? Is he first in our lives? Are we making him a priority? See, there's a fullness in Christ that when we walk in it, there's no room for lies to reside. We'll be able to spot the dangers of heresy and the off-doctrine because we'll be so used to the truth and in the truth on a regular basis. It's a no-brainer. We don't, it's almost instinctual. It's like, yeah, that's not right. That's off. There are a lot of untruths out there in this world. And this is why we must immerse ourselves in the truth of God's Word. We have to, or we're going to be just led astray, or else it will just be surface level. Study the Word, and you'll hear God's voice to your life. And that's the beautiful thing about uh, inductive Bible study. Inductive Bible study is observation, interpretation, application. This is, I believe, the best way to study the Bible. Observation. Simply, what does the Bible say? If you're going through your quiet time, right, your devotion time, what does it say? Okay, I'm going to read these verses. Okay, what did that say? Number two, that's observation. Number two is interpretation. Okay, what does it mean? And use the Bible as its own commentary. The Bible's the best commentary. Um, What does it say? What does the text mean? And number three, application. How can I apply this to my life? How can I use this in my life? How can I live this out? And that's what Spurgeon said, a famous 19th century preacher. Visit many books. Some of you love reading. I love reading. I I just read book after book after book. And I'm so proud of myself. I haven't bought books in like two months, just because I have like 50 that I need to read. But you just visit many books, but live in the scriptures. Live in the word. So you can spiritually progress, but also you can spot and reject lies that are out there as you're grounded in God's word. There's real danger of being led astray. So stick to the Word. Don't just, don't just window shop, if you will. Go into the store and learn about the owner. You know what I mean? Like, go get into the Word. And that's what church is. Church is just a supplement to what we should already be reading in the Word of God. Like, I hope you're not, depending on me, to give you the, your main meal. Because we get into the Word on a regular basis, and you come here, and this just supplements what you're already facing or what you're already going through in the Word you know, um, so stick to the word. Don't just scratch the surface, but grab a, grab a shovel, if you will, and just dig in and dig in. And there's never a point where you're going to say, I hit bottom, because it'll keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And so Paul's warning these guys beware. And we just need to watch out. You know, we need not be quick to believe everything we hear. Social media and these quick news, all this stuff that's out right now. People just believe whatever without research, without digging in themselves. It's like, we need to start with this and end with this. This is the truth that we hold on to and live by. Amen? So let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you for this time, Lord. And uh, we just pray that you would strengthen us in your word, Lord, that we would be in it on a regular basis, not out of obligation, but out of a love for you, God, because we want to know more of your heart. We want to know more of what you want us to do, Lord. We want to know more of what you say. And so we pray, God, that you give us that passion that as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we're going to be filled, even Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. So so Lord, we want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, Lord. We don't want to Drift away from our first love or fall away from it, Lord. We want to get into your word and get to know your heart. Not just know about you, Lord. Not just know facts about you. Not just to be able to quote scripture. But have those scriptures ingrained in our hearts, percolating in our minds, leading our lives. And God, we pray that we would just immerse ourselves in your word, Lord. And that we would be able to not only take it in, but that we'd be able to give it out. That we'd be able to share it, Lord. Any opportunity that you lead us to. We love you so much, and we thank you for this time. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.